And so in the book of Joshua, we find these words in chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And the writer writes, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, who are the Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Notice those words, you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, this is Joshua's defining moment. You read the latter part of the book of Deuteronomy. Joshua has been handed the, the, the reins of leadership of the nation of Israel Moses is getting ready to pass off the scenes. Joshua is his, his successor. He's Moses' replacement. And Joshua has been around Moses and been Moses' aide and Moses' assistant. And Joshua has deep history with the nation of Israel, having grown up probably under the slavery in Egypt and having been a part of the Exodus and chosen to be that one to lead God's people into the promised land when Moses has been disallowed that Joshua's the one that will take them across the break now get this picture because what has happened is that they have crossed out they've come out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea over into the wilderness that they're now traversing but Joshua's task will be to get them from where they are which is up to at the verge of the Jordan River amen they're right up to the verge they have not been able to enter in yet, but Joshua will be the one that leads them across into the promised land to the fulfillment of their destiny. Joshua has been a faithful servant to Moses. He's observed Moses' leadership. He has been there with Moses and was with Moses in the mountain when Moses received the law from God. He He was responsible for guarding the tent of meeting when Moses was away. He was responsible. He was one of the 12 spies representing his tribe, Ephraim, going out and, and spying out the land. He had a lot of experience. He had seen a lot of things. He had done a lot of stuff. He'd been around. He had some, had some years on him now and some, and some training and some, some mentorship. And this becomes Joshua's defining moment. It's Israel's defining moment as well because God has been faithful to Israel, but Israel has, to this point, not always been faithful to God. But God has brought Israel out of Egyptian captivity through the Red Sea, across there, destroying the the Egyptian armies that would try to come after them and brought them into a place to begin to shape them and prepare them for the place that he wants to take them. Any of you feel like maybe you're in that kind of spot today? Now, so we have these two bodies of water. There's the Red Sea, and we remember the Exodus, and we remember the, the Red Sea crossing. We remember how... God told them to just go out and he, would, and he opened up the sea and they walked across on dry land and then when the, when the enemies came behind them, how, they, how the sea closed in on them and God fought that battle for them. But what happens is that now as they're po- poised to go into the promised land, 
God is giving Joshua very specific instructions as to what he is to do and how he is to conduct himself and how the people are to conduct themselves in this moment. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because what God wants Joshua to understand and what Joshua has to communicate to the people around him is this, that what got them here will not get them there. They've got to go to another place. They've got a passage to go through. They've got a crossover moment. They've got a transition that awaits them. But what has got them to this point is not sufficient. It's not that it's bad. You know, they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Some stuff ain't broke. It's just obsolete. Some of you in your, in your dresser drawer at home. If I went to your house and pulled and looked in you, first of all, you say, why are you looking in my things? But, okay, your desk drawer, it's getting kind of personal. But you, I know my wife has her, you know, a couple of old cell phones, you know, uh, like flip phones. You, You thought when the razor came out, you thought some of you have them in your pocket right now. Nokia. I remember, remember the, I used to get the Nokia's, they were, they used to be really black and they would get really hot when you talk on them, because I, I used to actually talk on the phone a lot, now we just text, I don't really talk on the phone that much, but it would get really hot, right? And, and I remember a friend of mine said, I'm tired of these big clunky phones, so he went and spent a whole lot of money to get this little phone, it kind of looked like a Zoolander phone, but it was a little bigger than that, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, but it was like little, and you know, and so then the, the trend was to go from big to little, right, so phones started getting small. And then now they start getting big again. <laughs> Go figure. But you know what I'm saying? Listen, if we say if it ain't broke, it don't, don't fix it. But what happens is some things ain't broke, but they are not sufficient for the moment. Your old razor from 1998, your old Nokia cell phone, your old, remember the walkie-talkie phones, the big ones? Even, even if it's working, some of you bought cases, expensive cases, and you kept your phone in the case, and it is pristine, not a scratch on it. You take it out the case, it's beautiful, it powers up, it comes on, but it doesn't do what your iPhone does. It doesn't do what your Android does. It is insufficient for this day and age and for the task that you face, because I use my phone not just to talk to folk, but I use it to tell me where I'm going. I use it to get information. All my calendar, contacts, notes, everything else. I compose sermons on my phone. When I'm sitting somewhere and get an idea, I'm going to type it in the notes or talk it in. And so the old stuff is insufficient. So this is what, what's going on in the, on the part of Joshua and Israel. They've, they've had an experience with God, and you and I have too. But that experience is not necessarily sufficient for going forward. What got them here will not necessarily get them there. Because there are some differences between Red Sea crossings and Jordan crossings. And if you look at the account, you see there's just just some differences, some distinctions. Because the Red Sea crossing, it's called the Exodus, and the Exodus is about going out. Whereas the Jordan crossing is going to be about coming into something. There's a difference in in these two crossings. The, The Red Sea crossing was about escape. They were on the run. They were fleeing the bad guys. This crossing is a conquest. They're not the ones running. They're the ones that will be routing the enemy. They're the ones that will be taking over. The Red Sea crossing was characterized by this reluctant leadership on the part of Moses. Moses is is the man in the Old Testament. Yes, no doubt about it, a stellar figure in salvation history. But Moses, 
Well, it was like, he's one of those guys, like some of y'all, he's like, well, you know, if you got somebody else to do it, I would just assume you're going in, you know. You know, Pastor, in the choir, you know, it's like, well, you know, I do this solo, but if you got somebody else that you want to sing it, that's quite all right with me. You know, you know, some of us are like that. And Moses is kind of like, well, Lord, Lord, you know, I don't, I don't talk real good. And so, you know, he, but, but, but Joshua comes along. God is not looking for that kind of, that kind of demure and, and reticent leadership. God is looking for him to be, and he tells him this three times. God tells him in chapter one of Joshua, and then the people turn around and tell Joshua, you be strong and courageous. He says, be strong and courageous. Because what he will encounter going forward will call for a different level of courage, a different level of faith, a different level of intensity. And so it's going to take something different that, 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 they, that wasn't needed before. What got them there, here, will not get them there. When they came up out of Israel, when they crossed the Red Sea, God had not yet given them the law. And so there was a kind of boundaryless existence, and there was, a kind of, there was a kind of lack of understanding. They were a people in formation. They were a people that God was drawing unto himself and, and, and working with to develop them and to build them into the people that would reflect his name and his glory and his, and his, and his love to the world. But now they have the law, and now the law provides boundaries for them. Now the law will inform them. Now the law will hold them accountable. The presence of God, it was different in the first crossing. It was when they crossed the Red Sea, they didn't understand the presence of God as they would come to understand it. Some of you are growing in your ability to understand that presence, and I am as well. But they, they, they knew of, of it in an abstract sense because God would lead them by a, a, a flame of fire at, at night and a, a pillar of fire at night and a, and a cloud by day. And they understood that aspect of God's presence and his leadership, but they would come to know him so much more to where now, as they make this crossing, the presence of God is, is embodied in this thing called an ark. It's a box with the tables, tablets of the law in it that symbolizes the presence of God that is to go before them. The presence of God is not just out there somewhere, but it is in the midst of them and among them, and they have to follow its leading carefully. Crossing the Red Sea didn't take any military expertise. It didn't take any strategy. It says, hey, God says, go, get up out of here, let's go. Grab your stuff, let's go. Pack up the babies and grab the old ladies and everyone goes. Remember that song? <laughs> let's get up out of here. But this is a different thing. This is going to be coordinated. This is going to be strategized. This is going to be planned. This is going to be based upon military strategy and expertise. Now, they would have to do something they haven't had to do before. That is that they will have to fight in order to possess their possessions. You hear what I said? Yes. See, some of us have not yet come to that place where we've understood that things that are worthwhile in life are worth the struggle. And they will have to fight in order to claim what God has given them. So what is required of Israel, what is required of Joshua is different in certain ways than what was required of, of Moses and the people at the time of the Exodus. The Exodus going out, the Jordan going in, one about leaving, one about arriving. And so now what, will be, what, what, what this will require is greater organization, more discipline, more focus than they've ever had to embrace before. These are the prerequisites of their conquest. What got them here won't get them there. You hear me? Yes. 
what got them to the banks of the Jordan won't take them into the promised land. Reluctant, stumbling, bumbling, grumbling. You read about it in there, right? Moses lost his patience with him. Half-hearted, half-committed, no faith, greedy, lazy, complaining. That's not going to cut it anymore. God is to and through Joshua calling for something new. But let me, so you're saying, well, that's good, preacher, but what does that have to do with me? Let, Let me suggest something to you this morning. Whatever it was that got you to this place in your life, whatever it was that allowed you to accomplish what you have accomplished and do what it is you have done, whatever it is that has got you here in this moment, I've got a moment, 24 years of ministry, birthday, not going to tell you how many years, most of you know anyway, whatever it is, it will probably be insufficient by itself to get you to the place where God is taking you. What you have relied upon and what you have trusted in and the resources that you have leaned upon and the tactics that you have resorted to, to this point that got you here, they're wonderful, they're beautiful, they're like, they're like your, your Motorola Racer. They, are, they were a marvel in their own time. But they will not necessarily, do you hear me? I I hope I got some praying folks in the room this morning, this afternoon. It will not necessarily get you to where God wants you to be. Now, I know some of you say, well, wait a minute. I thought this thing's all about grace. And I thought it's all a free gift. You're saved by grace. Yes, you're saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Absolutely. Salvation is a free gift that comes by trusting in Jesus. It's a done deal. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe sin had left, left a crimson stain. He, you know, he washed it white as snow. All of those things are true. You, your faith is in Christ Jesus. You've been baptized. You're born again. You are in the kingdom of God. You're in the family of God. If any man or woman is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Yes, yes. We can shout all day long, hey, glory. Bring the band back up. But let me remind you of something. See, we have to understand the difference between that which is conditional and that which is unconditional. Because there are things in life that are wonderful free gifts that all you do is reach out and embrace them. And there are things in life that are promised to you and that are opportunities for you that you can have and that you can receive and that you can experience and you can walk in. But the thing about those things, that set of, of, of issues, is that those there are some things that you'll, you'll have to fight for. You'll have to work for. You'll have to struggle to. Now, that's not, I'm not, you know, he's preaching works. Now, I'm not preaching works. You, you, you go home and you, you decide you, you want to cook that steak you got in your refrigerator and say, that's works. No, that's just, you have to, if you want to eat food, you got to prepare it. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, God just kind of brought him through the, the Red Sea and brought him into the wilderness and, and took care of him and fed him. Remember the quail and remember the manna and remember all that stuff on the manna and the quail. God, 
God provided for them. God was trying to, to, to bring them to a certain place. But now the, the real blessing is this thing called the promised land. It's called Canaan, right? And the thing about Canaan is this. It's, it's the land flowing with milk and honey, right? But you know what? If there's honey in there, there's some bees off in there. And don't, these aren't like spirit-filled bees who don't sting. If, there's, if it's flowing with milk and honey, there's some cows in there. And if there's cows in there, some, you, you know, there's, you know, you got what comes along. Anything worthwhile in life requires some struggle and some fight. Now, now, now because going back to this conditional thing, salvation, the, the grace of God, the love of God is unconditional. So that's what grace is by its definition, is, is unmerited, unearned, unconditional favor. But there are other things in the kingdom of God that are conditional. God said it in, I think it was Isaiah 119. He says it to his people through the prophet Isaiah like this. He says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. See, some of us got to think, well, you know, if I'm a Christian, that must mean that it's, it's just all right there. What got you here won't necessarily get you there. You hear what I'm saying? Some, there's some things that you are contending for you're waiting to happen you're, you're just sitting there because somebody told you let go let God right. and you know that's, there's, that sometimes that's what you do and sometimes in some situations that's exactly what the spirit is calling for let go let God some of y'all know the church I grew up in that was a song that our, our, our co-pastor she had written, wrote this song and we heard that song for years let go let God let go let God but sometimes let go let God is not what's needed in the moment sometimes it's grab hold of the promise of God stand your ground and fight the good fight of faith because what got you here won't get you there and so we have to distinguish between the, the conditional and the unconditional. A lot of places you're trying to get to, a lot of things you're trying to do, a lot of blessings you're trying to walk in, and they're not going to just materialize out of thin air. God sometimes will wait for certain... Re- faith requires a response and requires a step of faith, even with regard to, to this crossing. The difference here, if you read in the text, when it comes to crossing the Jordan, they're going to have to take the guys carrying the ark, they're going to have to go out there, and they got to like set their, put their foot in the water. That's the prayer, but you gotta, they got to put, you got to have enough faith to at least put your toe in the water, just step in the water. And once you're out there, you commit it. It takes faith. But, 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 but see, what happens is we, we, we rely sometimes on, on one, let me digress here, we rely on one experience. Some of you did one thing that produced one result, and you think that that's the one only thing you will need to do for the rest of your life. You have become a spiritual one-trick pony. Huh? You know, God may be calling upon some of us to expand our repertoire. Somebody told me this one time, and she was a psychologist, so I figured she must have knew what she was talking about. She said, if you keep doing the same thing you, that you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always got. 
And there might, and there's some things that we got one thing we do, and we one response to everything. And maybe God is trying to expand our horizons and broaden our repertoire so that we we explore some of the other ways in which we are able to to to, to deal with the challenges of life and and deal with the things that we need to to, to, to face up to and 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 sometimes confront and 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 and, and, and challenge. What got you here won't get you there. See, when you set out to take new territory, what, what has gone on and what you've utilized and what you've relied upon and the things of the past may not necessarily be sufficient for the, the, the journey and the, the, the conquest, the new territory that you're called upon to take. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me, let me, let, let's, let me break it down like this. What, what got you through in the past may or may not get you through in the future and won't carry you into the future. Uh, and then for some of us, there, there, there are th- those habits that we, we're hanging on to us, right? You know what I'm talking about. Those, those things that we were allowing in our lives, and they, weren't, they didn't really bother us too much because we weren't really trying to go nowhere, if you know what I'm saying. Just go to church and just kind of, you know. But there were things, there were, there were relationships, and there were little things. You know, the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Oh, Hebrews, the writer in the 12th chapter says, listen, you know, listen, since we've got this great crowd of witnesses, we need to lay aside every weight and the sin that easily besets us. But some of those things, they were all right, and you were going on, and you were, you were just as, 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 as saved and sanctified and, and filled with the Holy Spirit, and that was a mighty burning fire. And you allowed stuff in your life, and, and it was annoyance to people around you, and it was a, but you know, it didn't matter as much as it matters now because God is trying to take you into the new thing and trying to take you into a higher place and trying to take you into a level of greater maturity, greater effectiveness, greater service in the kingdom of God. So there's some things we need to leave back on the other side of the Jordan. We need to leave the cynicism. We need to leave on the, that passive-aggressive thing that we... Some, there's some even aspects of our temperament that need to be tempered by the Spirit of God, that, 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 that little whiny, backbiting, cynical, uh, oh, I, I said I wasn't going to do that today. I want the ushers to hold the door, don't let them out. You know that, 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 that self-centered, controlling stuff that we have that that all you know that that needs to be left back on the other side of of the Jordan because it's no longer compatible with where we're trying to get to and what we're trying to accomplish it doesn't work anymore see what what got you here won't get you there uh, when you're trying to raise a family and, and raise up some children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and the stuff in your family system that you need, may need to leave behind, you don't do it just because your mama did it that way or just because your daddy did it that way. What got you here won't get you there. Uh, when you're trying to build a career as a believer in the workplace and, 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 and you get to one place and you figure what I've always done will always work, maybe God is saying there might be something different. There's a different way you have to look at this thing and a different way you have to approach it. When you're trying to nurture a relationship, 
Now you know if you if you're married, what got you to the altar will not necessarily get you to the end of the of the line, to the end of life. It will not necessarily get you into the happiness and the marital bliss that you long for. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some prayer. It's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some dying to yourself. It's going to take some giving up and, and and renunciation of some of your own attitudes and ideas. What got you here won't get you there. And we're trying to serve in ministry. Trying to serve in ministry. And what gets you into ministry will not necessarily get you through ministry. And, and I say that firsthand. I, I know about that one. I know about a lot of these. But I really know about that one. I got, I got 24 years of experience, at least in this phase of that. What, what gets you to a certain place that you, you have to change up. You have to acquire new skills. You have, to, you have to broaden your mind. You have to allow the Spirit of God to crucify things in you that need to be crucified because there's things in my flesh that need to be killed and still do. And I have to be open to that ongoing process if, if God is going to use me and work in my life. And for you as well, living the kind of life that would bring praise, honor, and glory to God as a Christian in this, in this crazy world, in this corrupt world, in the midst of all the craziness around you. What got you here won't get you there. It's good. We, we're realizing now we have, to, we have to have some new ways of looking at, at culture, some new ways of looking at evangelism, new ways of looking at life because of the world we live in and where we are. We don't change the basics of the gospel, the orthodox Christian faith. It's the same. Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever but you don't do if you do the same thing yesterday today and forever you will be stuck in a rut it didn't say jesus does the same jesus is the same and we don't do the same we are the same because we're in christ but as a church as a church you and me some of you are guests and visitors but you're all friends and family, so I count you. You're all a part of my journey. If you're here today, if I don't even know you're a part of my journey because you're here. Some of you are long-term friends who just period periodically come and support. Listen to us as a church. Hear this. This is really important for us because whatever it is that allowed us, that allowed me to survive these years, to get to this place, to stand here with you in this moment, you got new chairs, We even got new chairs in the bathrooms. We got all kinds of seating around here. We got, you know, we got, and there's some new lives. There's some li We've been through a lot of stuff. Because I learned some things in ministry that I didn't. See, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, I used to hear old folks talk about folks lying on you. I said, oh, why are my parents so bitter and angry? I used to hear people talk about friends turning their back on you and walking away. I said, whoa, that's, all my friends were cool. I was a teenager. We all had big hair. I had a car and a little bit of money. And so they all jumped in my car and spent, helped me spend my money. And we hung out and, and played music together. It, life was good. We weren't, nobody was backbiting. Nobody was trying to undermine me. Nobody was trying to, was trying to, 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 to come against me. You know, I, I, so I didn't understand that. But when you, when you set out in ministry, you realize, man, man. It's, it's rough business sometimes because people work out their personal stuff in the context of the church. Men with father issues transfer those onto other male leaders like me. I'm not trying to be daddy to everybody. She made me mop my brow on that one. 
I'm daddy to Angie, Alicia, and Charles. And a granddaddy to Maximus Isaiah. <laughs> but, but listen, listen. But we, whatever it is, we, by, by, by hook or crook, by, through, through pain and, 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 and through struggle and through love and through, and through all those things, we, we got to this place. And those of you that are here, some of you have been immensely blessed by your journey here. You've been with me, for, many of you have been with me for years, and God has grown you and worked in your life, and God has touched people in this community is doing wonderful things. But we got to realize that what has got us to this point, what has got us here, won't get us there. Let me tell you something. Uh, I, I know I, you, we, are, you, we are some nice people. I, I mean, if you're a visitor, you might be saying, it ain't that nice. But, but we, I think that well, we are nice people. But let me tell you something. Listen to this. Uh, we don't need just nice. We need anointing. See, nice is wonderful, but nice doesn't cut it when you're up against spiritual darkness and bondage and the power, power of the enemy. We, we don't just need more pleasantries, and pleasantries are fine, and we're, we like to say pleasant things, and we're happy, and we play happy music and happy songs, and, and it's all good, right? Hey, what's up? Y'all call me by my first name, got my cell phone number. It's cool. It's all good. It's beautiful. I, hey, pleasantries. Hey, how are you? God bless you. Praise the Lord. But you know what? We need more. It will take more for us to accomplish the, the mission that God has given us and to make an impact in this community. We don't need just pleasantries. We will need power. We need power from on high. We need to realize that what got us here won't get us there. Are you with me? So this is why, listen, listen, this is why we always have to be learning, listening, growing. We have to maintain a teachable spirit. Uh, You see, sometimes I've, I've... some folks act, come to church and act as though they have learned the whole thing. They know the whole book. They got it. They, they, I don't really care. I don't, you know, he can't tell me that. I'm, and that's why a lot of folks, you know, because they're not getting fed. And, of course, don't get me started on that because I'll tell you, when you feel like you're full and you're no longer getting fed, then maybe it's your job to start serving something up, not going starting your own thing. But where you are, helping other folks to get what they need, that's a whole other thing. But let me tell you, let me tell you, listen, listen, listen. We got to be always learning, always, always growing, always absorbing new truth. We, we have to be like Paul. Paul put it this way. Paul realized, the Apostle Paul, he realized that what had got him to where, to a certain place where he encountered Christ was the fact that he had this, this spectacular Jewish pedigree and he had this great DNA and he had this great, this great family background and this great religious heritage and it, and it gave him a lot of status and it gave him a lot of pr- privilege and it gave it, him a lot of prestige and it got him to a place where he was, he was kind of pretty, pretty high up among his peers and he was respected and looked up to. He was a Hebrew among Hebrews as he, as he described himself. But Paul came to realize this, that what had got me there was insufficient to get me to the kingdom of God and where I, where I need to go. And so what happens on the part of Paul, he says, listen, I come to realize that all that stuff that I thought was cool, it had its place and it was what it was, but basically compared to what, where I'm going now and what I need now, it's rubbish. He says, so this is what I do. I forget that which is behind and I strain toward that which is ahead and I'm pressing on for the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus because he realized that what got him here won't get him there. And so, let's wrap this up. The Christian life, I think that none of us would, would 
dispute the fact that uh, the, the statement that it is a journey. Amen. Life is a journey, isn't it? Or you would say life is a trip. And the Christian life is a trip, but it's a journey. And as a journey, what as we kind of look at Joshua's story here and look at the way God deals with his people Israel, the journey includes these opportunities that God presents to, to his people. Along the way, there are opportunities for blessing, opportunities for growth, opportunities to bless others, opportunities to experience God's power and his provision and his blessing in ways that we never imagined. But there's only one thing about those opportunities is that they always come with challenges. Don't you hate that? Don't you wish it wasn't so? Don't you wish it could just be, a, a, in, 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 in the political speak, a clean bill? <laughs> just give me, Lord, give me the blessings and just you keep the, and give me a side of blessing and you hold the suffering. So the opportunities always come with challenges. Israel, I mean, this opportunity, the, this, this thing God is, he says, I'm giving you this land. It's kind of like, I'm, I'm really doing the hard work here. So you're going to enter into the land that you've, of your dreams, that the land, the, the soil is fertile and the, the right trees and things are all there for you to have this wonderful life. And, every, and there's enough space. All, you, all the tribes, you can all, you can all camp. You can all have your area. You can divide up the land and you can, you can be placed and just, just enjoy the goodness of the Lord. But the problem is you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to struggle. There are going to be those who don't want you to come in there. There are going to be those who are going to try to run you out. There are going to be obstacles along the way. And let me tell you, let me just be real with you because I, you need to know this, that there's no blessing of God in your life that you are contending for, that you're praying for, that you're seeking after. There's no blessing that will not come with some challenges, some struggle, and some adversity. And something required of you. What got you here will not get you there. There will be something more that God will require of you and from you in the midst of your growth and your movement into that new thing that he has for you. Now that's, you, maybe that's a drag or it's just what it is. But listen, here's the thing. The opportunity is always accompanied by the challenge. But the challenge is always accompanied by the promise. And the promise here, God gives Joshua throughout the book and in the first chapter you read it, he says, listen, here's the deal. You be strong. There's the, 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 the opportunity, and we could use the initial promise, but it's the promise that represents the opportunity, is you can enter into the land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land that you, of your dreams. So your hopes and wishes and dreams will be fulfilled and your families will be able to eat of the good of the land and enjoy all of the wonderful things that I provided the Lord your God. I'm giving you this land. That's the opportunity. But here's the challenge. You're going to have to be strong and courageous. Now, if it was easy, he wouldn't have to be strong and courageous, would he? You're going to have to be strong and courageous because you're going to have to fight. But here's the promise. He says, understand this, Joshua. Josh. Jojo. <laughs> son. He says, as I was with Moses. 
you remember how God was with Moses? How he was, the presence of the Lord followed Moses, the word of the Lord counseled Moses, the truth of the Lord informed Moses, God sustained Moses and, and used him to lead his people. He says, just like I was, I was with Moses. Well, guess what? I'm going to be with you too. Just as I was with Moses every step of the way, I never left him. I never forsook him. I never, I never, I never dropped the ball. God is always reliable. We sung about it this morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He says, just as I was with Moses, he says, I will be with you. I will be with you wherever you go. My friend, let me tell you something. You rise to the challenge that God has put before you because you can, you can rely on this one thing. God has promised that he will be with you no matter what you go through, no matter where you go, no matter what you're faced with, no matter what you're dealing with. He says, I will be with you. I think that's what David realized when he sat down and wrote the 23rd Psalm. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. That's why the same David took, took his pen another time in Psalm 27 and said, you know what? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I don't have to fear evil. I don't have to fear the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Termites. None of them. I don't have to fear because God is with me. The God who parted the Red Sea will part the Jordan River. The God who brought us out of Egypt will take us into the promised land. It's nothing. Let me tell you something, my friend. Understand this. Understand this. When you stand in faith, when you stand in the strength of God, there's something, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like when Superman went into the phone booth. And there's a problem now because there are no more phone booths. But when you put on the whole armor of God, when you take on the word of God, and when you wield the sword of the spirit, you become an unstoppable force. You become, you become unconquerable, invincible, not in your own strength, but in the strength of the Lord your God. And that's what God was promising Joshua. He says, I'll never, I'll never leave you. I'll never fail you. You don't have to fear he says, I'll be with you. You can face every challenge. You can step out into, in faith because what got you here won't get you there. But the one who brought you here will take you where you need to be. Now, let me, let me just tie this all together, wrap it up. Because there's another, pro, there's another part of this pro, promise, and I like this, and it goes to this whole unstoppable point. He's in, 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 I think about verse 9 in the, in the first chapter, he says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I almost feel presumptuous claiming that. And now in a literal sense, it's not that nobody won't get in your face. It's not that nobody will talk, ever talk crazy to you. It's not that people aren't going to turn their back on you and people are going to backbite you and talk about you and try to stop you. It's going to happen. But they won't be able to, to prevail. They won't be able to stand for long. Because God will have your back. And in the words of Paul in Romans 8, it kind of goes like this. Listen, if God is for you, who can be? And then you say, well, a lot of people can be against you. But the, the inference of the text is that if God is for you, who can stand against you? If God is for you, who can prevail against you? If God is for you, who can defeat you? Nobody, nothing. Now, no, 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 almost done here. 
what got you here, listen to this, won't get you there. What got you here won't get you there. Now, I could leave you with that, and I could leave you with a little bit of emptiness. Wow. I, 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 my, my, tool, my tools are obsolete. You go out in the garage and get your grandfather's toolbox. They're all a bunch of old rusted stuff. Rusted, old stuff that don't even work no more. Screwdrivers with wood handles. Rusty, broken off blades. No, so we're not leaving you like that. No, no, no. Listen, here's the other end of the equation. We'll put this all together, and then, then you go home with some hope. Because, first of all, you, now you know. And so now, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And so, what got you here won't get you there. So we understand that God will be calling for, 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 for he's, he's calling for probably more than we are used to bring into the game. He's calling for us to open our hearts and our minds to think about the new ways that he might want to work on our lives and the new strategies, the new skills, the new responses, even to some of the basic things in life that we may need to begin to bring to the table. But listen to this. I think this will sum it up. What got you here won't get you there, right? But my God <coughs> made me cough. What got you here won't get you there. But God will equip me and you with everything I need in order to get me from where I am to where I need to be. So you take heart this morning and be encouraged, child of God, because listen, yeah, what, what, what you've relied on in the past and what you've experienced up to now, it's, it's not enough. But God isn't through with you and he's teaching you more stuff. But understand this, that you, you put your trust in him. He's going to equip you with everything you need to get to where he wants you to be. And that's why Paul put it like this. He said, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful to perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. But Paul said, my God shall supply all your need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God isn't finished with us. So don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't get discouraged. God isn't through with Grace Chapel. I, God, no, nah, we, we ain't quitting. We just starting. I just spent the last 24 years just getting warmed up and trying to you know, get, it's been, you know, like, like my internship. And in your life, in your life, God's not done with you. Some of you feel like your better days are past. Some of you feel like, like the glory days are gone. Some of you feel like you've already experienced your heyday. No, your heyday is the, is, is the next day that, that, because, every, you know, his mercies are new every morning. So the best is yet to come. He has more for you, and he wants to do more in your life. He wants to use you in ways you've never dreamed imaginable. He wants to do wonderful and mighty things. He wants to bless you to make you a blessing. He wants to bless us as his people to make us a blessing to the nations. So what got you here won't get you there. But who got you here will get you there. And it's he who began the good work. Stand to your feet. Come on, stand your feet. Come on. Come on, let's just give God some praise this morning for the word. Oh, God, we thank you. We bless your name. We bless your name.